when I was very small and I was still in the we consciousness, mm-hmm. I would often tell my mother, you're my for now mommy. Right. But my real mommy is someone else. Yeah, but you're my for now mommy and I love you. <laughs> I used to like annoy the gajibis out of her. I she can imagine. Get, she would get so annoyed. Welcome to the We Talks. Welcome to the We Talks. This is episode um, four, I think. Four, yeah, yeah. So if you haven't listened to the first ones, I suggest you do, but I'm sure you can manage it. Just listen to this one and give it a go. I think so too, yeah. Here the We are going to meet the family. Yes, meeting the family. That was interesting. <laughs> that was very interesting. I'm going to read a little bit and then we can discuss it because it's, you it's, know, the We is one of those things where... You get a little bit confused, don't you? <laughs> a little, a little yeah. yeah. I think I'm already seeing your face expanding and getting a little bit, uh, yeah, expanded, I think would be a right word to say. Yeah, I feel it. Just thinking about it. I'm feeling it. Yeah, yeah. All right. If you don't know what who the we are, then go to the we talks, the we talks. Dot com dot com. and find it there. This podcast and this newsletter is published at Substack and it's called The We Talks. You can find it there and you can find the, the whole history and what we're talking about. All right. Meeting the family. To tell the truth, we don't remember much about meeting the family. We do remember that we were taken from the building where we arrived when we joined with the body and were moved to a different building with less people, less lights, and that felt alone. So you were taken from where you were born. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> There was a lot of aloneness in that house. We would be left alone in a room for long periods of time and the crying didn't have any effect on the people who were there in the rest of the house. We remember the ceiling and the smell of dry heat coming in from an open window. You must not have been the first baby. I was the third. Okay. And at the time I wasn't an I and I was a we. How... <laughs> <laughs> A person, human now, experiences the physical world is very different to what we had perceived it through what be like before from our exclusively observational point of view. Now, this part I do want to expand on a little bit because often people don't realize that when a being, whether an individual being like a soul or a group being like the we, haven't incarnated, as in they don't have a physical body, their perception of the physical world, as well as how much they can influence it, is uh, is very limited. It's highly limited. Yeah, no matter how much looking you've done until you've done it. You, yeah, you don't, you know don't what really you're know it. To. You know, also reminds me, like in 2010, around 2010 or so, I was getting a lot of rea- uh, actually before that, but from 2012. So about six years, I was getting a lot of requests from the human collective. And also requests from Gaia to do certain energy work or certain actions or doings, including being public. And 
what I figured out early on is that they had no idea what was needed for these things to happen. They had no idea. And it was up to me to let them know because I was in the physical universe and therefore, and I was in my life. So I was the authority of my life and the physical universe as I was experiencing it and what I needed to do certain things. Like little things, like for example, at one point I was requested to go to Europe and by the by Gaia and do some energy work to reverse certain points in Europe that had been hijacked to contain a very low frequency stuff on Earth for the human collective and other collectives. And I was going to reverse engineer that, like re just reverse it actually, not engineer it, but reverse it. And it's like, uh, go to Europe, this, this and the other, you know, and like, do you know what it takes to go to Europe? Just go there. You know, it's costs a lot of money, right? <laughs> you know, and money I don't have at the moment. Because I just had a baby and um, I didn't have a job. And I, what I was going to say to my husband is like, oh, I've got to do some energy work for Gaia in Europe. Can you pay up, please? <laughs> Can you buy me a ticket? Buy me a ticket, hotel rooms and uh, travel within Europe because I had to go to several points. No, it didn't work out that way. So I said, I need at least X amount of money. I actually doubled that because I like to have fun and buy nice things while I'm there. And sure enough, the money came. I needed to, I didn't need to create certain energy lines for the money to be given to me by the human collective. So I had published a book called Interview with an Alien. And it was like, you know, floating with the others, you know, like in the internet. And then suddenly I got a ton of sales and I made more than enough money to buy my ticket, to hotel rooms, to travel to the different locations and uh, also uh, give uh, the, the money that other people needed for hotel rooms. Uh, I needed to, to support that work. <laughs> so a lot of it was like ceremony. So you, you needed more than one person, more, one, more than one mystic, right? So... It was pretty interesting. I figured out like early on, wait, these beings, they don't know what we need. They don't know what it's like to be in a physical body, right? They don't know what they don't know. No, how could they know? They're not you. You know and that's you. Not how it works there. Yeah. You want to go there? You're there. Yeah. Turn around and you're there. <laughs> yes. It's not like that when we're in a limited physical universe full of rules. With linear time, etc., etc. <laughs> yes. Anyways, next. And so you're all alone in this house. Yeah, I'm all alone. Crying, it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> the limitations brought on by only using the eyes, ears, and touch senses create, creates a microscopic experience of the totality of reality as we perceive it without these. Although confused at the separation from the rest of the family, we were mostly excited about the prospect of learning all about being human. What made it possible to be human was the joining of a physical body and a soul. And although we had joined with the body and had a very real soul now, the connection between us, the soul and the body, was fractured, unsettled and precarious. Most of those days alone in that room, we spent trying to program the body to walk, talk and communicate with humans so we could get out of that room. <laughs> but it was extremely slow 
and difficult. Our body tried to tell us that it was not programming, but that we had to learn to do this together, as all the links from our soul to the body are different. But we didn't listen and tried to do it our way. It didn't help. The crying still didn't work on people days after we arrived, so we decided to use telepathy instead. We scanned the house for possible receptors and found our siblings, a boy and a girl. The boy ignored us. What? The girl became terrified. We didn't know this was terror, just that she could hear us. So we told her to come and take us out of the crib. After a lot of encouragement, persistence and commanding, she finally complied and came into our room, took us out of the crib and placed us on the floor. She also unwrapped the tight blanket that held us prisoner. <laughs> but unfortunately, she then ran away and oh, left us no. in the room. <laughs> Other people came and would put us back in the crib after wrapping us tightly again. Swaddling. But, you were swaddled so yes. that you wouldn't cry so much. Yeah. We would call the girl again and she would repeat the procedure, but she wouldn't do the next request, which was to take us out of the boring room and into the rest of the world. She would just leave us there on the floor and run away. This went on for weeks and months even. It felt like times, the times out of the room were few and far between. Logically speaking, now that we have an understanding of how humans perceive time, it must have actually been hours rather than eternities, including all night hours. Eventually, we were left in other places, which took away some of the boredom. We did, of course, have the capacity to leave the body and go elsewhere to entertain ourselves at any time, but our connection with the body was so new and so delicate, we didn't want to risk leaving her for any time. Yeah, she would, uh, like, exit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't know much of the experience at the new place surrounded by these people. It seemed no one was open to connection or interesting interactions of any kind. We realized that people seem mostly mostly wanted to experience themselves. Experiencing ourselves seemed limited, but it was after all why we had gone to the trouble of incarnatism as a human. We tried to emulate their self-interest and self-absorption, and we failed. <laughs> the girl, and then one of the younger aunties realized we were different. The girl became aggressive. The auntie was more interested. At nine months of age, we decided it was time to be able to pro properly communicate with the rest of the family. We downloaded the language they spoke, Spanish, and our body movements were connected enough that we could speak it. The moment was one where that particular auntie was carrying us. We were in the yard and we looked into her eyes and told her we could now speak and that we were very excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> she the auntie screamed. But she calmed herself down very fast and looked into her eyes. She then smiled and ran to her sisters to show them what I could do, including my mom, actually. One of the sisters became interested. The others ignored us. The two aunties and... And we spoke on and off for several days. We do remember that the parents were not interested. They just nodded and said how nice it was. <laughs> the first aunt would then often comment on how I could speak perfect Spanish without an accent and didn't use any colloquialisms such as excluding the letter S at the end of the words. One of the things that followed was that if someone wanted to know how to say a word, they would ask the baby. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the years that followed after that were mostly interesting in the newness of everything that we could perceive in the limited form of an incarnated human. But understanding the choices of limitations would take years to come. 
We know, for example, that our experience of this physical expression and perception of the universe, our experience, is inter interesting to us as it relates to our own personal experience. And that sense, meeting the family, what do you have to say about that? Well, <clears throat> it seems that they're only barely interested in you, your Ooh. parents. Oh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and why was your sister terrified of you? Mm, well, what is terror, right? What is terror? What 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 stimulates terror? Unknown, I suppose. What feeds what feeds from terror? Do you remember? No. No. It's the negative entities. Oh, Klingons, as we might say. Yeah, Klingons or possessions. Yeah, the Klingons. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And that actually um, opens the conversation to something that a lot of people talk about and misinterpret, which is I've heard a lot of people say that for a person to develop psychic abilities, they need to go through terrible trauma. Yeah, and that terrible trauma will bring about psychic abilities. I've seen this. I've heard it so many times. However, it's all upside down. Terrible trauma does not activate psychic abilities. People who come in mostly awake and with their psychic abilities intact, get attacked. Mm. Attacked so that they are disabled is the opposite. So all that trauma and all that horrible things that happen to them as kids or growing up happens because the neg those negative entities want to stop them. So they came in with those abilities and the trauma actually disabled it to, to certain degrees. And the traumas came about because they had those abilities, because they had a larger awareness, they could sense and feel things. So those negative entities, they want to stay hidden. They want to stay intact. They want to stay undetectable. But these people could perceive them. So, mm, yeah. That does make some sense. Yeah. That's how it comes about. <laughs> Just that example from the Wii reminded me. Yeah, I, I I understand it. I'm sure a lot of people can probably reflect on, people that would be listening to this can reflect on how that happened in their own life. Yeah, totally, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's interesting. So, when well, we met their family and spoke perfect Spanish and were used as like the, the, um, uh, Pronunciation police, I guess. <laughs> yeah, not just pronunciation, but it's like, you know Clarity. the word that means blah, 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 blah? What word is that, that word again? <laughs> and then you would tell them. Yes. Yeah. What was their explanation for it? Um, They didn't, I don't remember them saying anything, but I do know that the one auntie would then become interested in psychic abilities throughout her life and did go out and tried to figure out how these things happened. And she ended up trying to find how these things happened. She ended up 
with the Rosicrucians. She became a top-level Rosicrucian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because mm. they provided data and information that couldn't be found anywhere else at the time. Most things you can find on the internet these days, but... At the time, not so much. These. No, not so no, much. No, because they didn't have internet. You had to go mm. to the card catalog, library, whatever. Yeah. And even there, it's like, you have to know what you're looking for before you even right. think about being able to find it. I don't know how she found the Rosicrucians, but my theory is that she went to a library looking for information and somebody gave her a book that might have something related to these things. And the book was published by the Rosicrucians. I remember when I was about 11 or 12 that she showed me a book that was the Rosicrucians and she was very excited about it. It's like she had found like the answer to everything. And she showed me the book and then the book, is there was a leaflet inside and it was how to join the Rosicrucians leaflet. So I think it was a recruitment book. A recruit, recruiting book. Yeah. And you had to write to them and then they had to like exchange letters back and forwards. And then you had to pay them a ton of money. Mm. Like she had to pay them a ton of money to start getting their classes and courses that would teach her more. So, yeah, that journey has been very, very fascinating, very interesting. Yeah. So we... Um recognize their family as somehow more important than other people? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if it was the we or the physical body. I think it was the physical body elemental. And there was a very deep connection with especially the mother. Mm -hmm. And the we, yeah, I think definitely a very, very big links with the family. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the links were even stronger because they came from a perspective of um, unconditional connection or conditional love. It wasn't conditional to these people being nice people or good people or loving people or supportive people. It was completely unconditional. Right. It didn't matter what they did or didn't do. Huh? Right. Yeah. yeah. I've heard you say before, you're not my real mommy. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, that was fascinating when I was very small and it was still in the wee consciousness. Mm -hmm. I would often tell my mother, you're my for now mummy. Right. But my real mummy is someone else. Yeah, but you're my for now mummy and I love you. <laughs> I used to like, annoy the gajibis out of her. She'd I can get, imagine. She would get so annoyed when I would say those things. But... I think that what I was referring to, if I, re if I recall, like if I go back to that awareness and I recall it, it felt like the human collective was my mommy. It was like much larger. It was big. Oh, I see. Right. Because we, you know, we conceive of mommy as the person who birthed you at a physical body level, right? Yeah. But you know, you every 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 body elemental has a connection to their mother, right? Mm -hmm. yes. I don't. I can't think of any examples that don't. Maybe fish. 
which don't really count no. because they don't even know they had a body. Right, right. They have a whole different experience of um, life. But beings who have a maternal process, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, mammals. Nursing, Nursing. mammals. Yeah. I suppose um, some insects, right? They collect on their mom. Mm-hmm. And like things, not spiders. No. I don't know. There, there are probably some, but there, there is a mother definition we think of because we we use our own experience to interpret the world. Interpret the world, right? So your my for now, mommy, and your concept of mommy being a human, the human collective, it could be that you actually meant that was um, the source of your coming to connect with the human collective. Yeah, I think so. Not so. really like yeah. the mom that birthed you, but yeah. the three-year-old human body elemental concept of mother. Mm-hmm. Is that what you meant? Possibly. It's like difficult to go back there and see what you all meant. You can just see images and wish like feelings, you know. But yeah. how do you interpret those? Is is a little bit harder. Yeah, because it's not like you got a concrete answer. It's like you're my for now, mommy, but. Mm. What was the answer to the other? Well, who's your like forever mommy? Forever mommy or other mommy even? Yeah. Or maybe it's even just as simple as that. You had recollection of other mommies. Mm, no, heard, I, no, no, it wasn't that. I can tell you that it wasn't that. Okay. I understand that physical body elementals have been born to billions of mothers. Um, but it wasn't that. It was definitely a different entity, a larger entity. Okay. I could think of it as a human collective, right? A larger collective, maybe a planetary collective. Because it's more the we. Well, because you see, we, it gets a little bit complicated when we think about a soul and a element, a human body, mm-hmm. an elemental body and a soul. Does a soul being have a mommy? Yeah, good question. They don't. Right. So the soul construct, we can think of, we think of the we as the soul construct. That's right. And they're not. No. But they are um, functioning as a soul. Mm-hmm. Some form of modified something or other to make a pseudo soul, I guess. <laughs> So we go back to the soul equation. Right. Um, yeah, we talk about this every time. <laughs> well, it comes to soul? if it comes to the mommy part, it was like the mommy of what? Your body or the soul or the the elemental body's manipulated parts to make it allow it to hold the wee soul. Mm-hmm. Which uh, mommy are we talking about? I think it's that larger awareness field of the human collective. I don't understand why you don't get it. <laughs> the mommy, <laughs> yeah, the mommy of what? Because the wee's mommy is not the human. Collective. But it's like when we become a soul in a body, we are one expression, right? Even though we're two bodies, we're one expression. And to become physical, like to join that physicality in a soul, you do need a mommy. Yeah. You do. Okay. You don't. You can't say this all. I mean, as a soul, this is all. Or is is it born to another soul? No, 
it doesn't work out that way because they're eternal, eternal beings. Eternal means it didn't have a beginning. It's not linear. It didn't come into through. It was absorbed by another soul's womb. Right. Or whatever. But when it comes into the physical universe, it is. It is. And it's strongly linked to that other soul that is in the mom's body. So I don't think you can separate when that statement was made as a little kid. I don't think you can separate the body and the soul. Okay. Does the we have a larger family? In a sense of a family not on the planet? Not a human body planet? Family? Are there other we's that are related? Like cousin we's? <laughs> cousin we's. <laughs> Sister we's. <laughs> cousin I mean, we's. I thought about it. Uncle we's. No. They're not that way structured. Do souls have cousin souls? You know, what I've seen from souls, other people's souls, I've seen that they're part of groups. Like they have, there's group, a bunch of souls grouped together to have certain experiences. And people call those um, their soul brothers and sisters or soul families. That's the name they give them. Are they actual brothers and sisters and cousins? I don't think so. They're more like an energetic, experiential level and frequency choice group. So that's why you could resonate with them because the experiences you are, or the path that you're on, is the same frequencies as this other person or group of people. Yeah, when. And. To have that experience of brother, sister, cousin, whatever, they can be born into families over and over again, taking turns. I'll be the daughter, I'll be the mother, I'll be the father, I'll be the son, I'll be the cousin, I'll be the granddad. They take those roles, but that needs the bodies. Right. I've experienced the soul family feeling like we're a part of a soul family, right? Mm -hmm. Thing, and they're not even cousin, brother, sister, anything. Yeah. They're just like somebody you met at a f event or something. Mm -hmm. But you feel like they're soul family. But for some reason that doesn't, I mean, I haven't seen it persist. Mm. No, because because it's like the, the journey deviates. The journey deviates. And your frequency changes. Right. When I think about family, you don't think of a soul family, mother, brother, sister, brother, whatever. That doesn't deviate. There's always your mother, your brother, your sister. At a physical level. Right. No, they're not always a mother and father or whatever. Because when you're dying, you're life, born. For your life, I mean. Oh, okay. So for one lifetime, yes. So I would thought that soul family would be like more persistent, right? Mm -hmm. More persistent than it turns out to be. So what are you saying that are you saying that when you found a soul family that you really resonated with and you thought you found your family you don't feel about them that way anymore that they're, they're your soul family? Everyone drifted off and they're not so inclined anymore. So do you feel they're your soul family still? Uh 
Not so much, huh? Not right because it's it's like that. It's a frequency thing, and because your frequency changed, and theirs too, and theirs changed, you're no longer part of that cohesive Grouping. frequency bundle that we can interpret and name a soul family. Okay, so at a <laughs> at a level of permanence. That soul family concept needs frequency stability also mm -hmm. in order for it to persist. Uh, that and a connection, because I know that around the world, many, many people around the world have said in comments and also emails that I remind them of their sister, their mother, their grandmother, their best friend, and I look exactly like them. And they send me a photograph, and these are people who would look nothing like me. And other people who are sure, 100% sure they've seen me in real life and they've met me before, or they're friends with, have been friends with me in the past, but they can't place it. And that's that familiarity. That is, and I've also received so many messages telling me, hey, Nelly, you know, you're part of my soul family. Did you know that? So it's more than just the, the frequencies. It's also a connection. And one of the peculiarities of my own beingness on Earth is that I am both the entire human collective, all the bodies of the Earth, all of the groups on the Earth, all the frequencies, and none of them, <laughs> right? And also part of the my true essence would be the we, not so much a singularity. And the connection then with the entire human collective is deeper and, and more accessible than what an individual who has been an individual for many lifetimes is or has. And people perceive that connection and that familiarity because we're in the same field. And it's so broad of a frequency thing that, yeah, it's a lot of places. At the same time, other people see me as something so alien and so different that they get frightened. Yet it also feels to me like the soul family connection experience at the physical here level and uh, then not more reflects the physical here now experience and less the soul experience because I don't think in my reading anyway that souls are so concerned about what happens physically here mm. at a soul level because the eternal divine nature of soul and the experiential uh, linear now here thing it's like if you don't see your soul family for a whole whopping 20 years not it's not deal. even a whisper <laughs> not even a snick not even a sneeze yeah and yeah. so it may not be true that it's like there still feels that connection, but there doesn't feel like that here connection. You know what I mean? They were connection? Soul family connection with people that I traveled with and worked with. It's like it's still there's still something there, mm -hmm. but it's not a let's have a house together anymore. Right. Right. 
Yeah, because you guys are all going to live together in Hawaii, huh? We were going to live together in Hawaii. <laughs> and we were going to live together in wherever. Yeah. <laughs> and that never came to be. And everyone's gotten married and gone on their completely different areas. And some don't talk anymore. Most don't even talk anymore. Mm-hmm. It was like together for a minute and gone. <laughs> yes. But it was a very, very um, impactful connection at the time. Yes. It feels like there's still some connection there, but it's it's less physically relevant, you know? Right, right. So I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, honestly. Because mm. it felt like more important than the physical body family at the time, right? Yeah, you left them, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yes. Yeah. And now uh, it's the opposite again, you know? Mm. Those are those soul family that were so important. They don't even know my where am I, Mm-mm. but my other family does. True. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think about what? What does it tell you? What's what's important? What's not important? Or is it relevant to the family? I mean, this is how do we define family? That we met your family. We're talking about your physical body family. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Right. Does and the we doesn't have a soul family, or a soul family of the we is everybody, the human entire human collective. That's what I was alluding to. Yes. Right. And um, does that include your physical body, the entire human collective? Because it can. I have been in situations where, let's say, I go into an altered state of awareness, and my physical body will connect with all the other physical bodies of Earth. So that's probably something that we need to look at some more. Mm-hmm. Having the physical body, soul family, connection, energy, right? Okay. Pretty interesting conversation, I think. You have nothing to say? <laughs> nothing more to say? That's plenty. <laughs> that's plenty. <laughs> Are you all together? <laughs> quiet. <laughs> Not quite. Right. I have half formed thoughts and half formed conclusions and partially expanded awarenesses. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's worth um, exploring more because it's, it's, I don't know if we can talk about it, but maybe in another episode. But essentially, it's how do we define family and importance of family, mm-hmm. because it's hugely important and also so fleeting, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a thousand, a hundred thousand moms, but we only have one of those hundred thousand moms is actually important at the time. Mm-hmm. The other ones are completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I figured that one out. Yeah, that's very little. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me more. What do you mean? Well, there was this auntie. Well, for my physical body elemental, um, at one point, I, like a baby, because, you know, I was pretty much neglected, actually, as a third kid. And um, we went to visit my grandmother. And I remember looking at my grandmother and crying. She scared me. And then her sister came in. My grandmother's sister. 
And I would, with my mom, I would hold on to her and be extremely shy with everybody. And when this, my grand auntie walked in the room, I pushed my mother away and ran up to her and hugged her, right? And I called her mommy. Mommy, mommy, like that, right? And, um, and they were all shocked. My mom was very upset about it. I'd never reacted to anybody on the planet like that. And my auntie just cried and cried and she was so happy and holding me. My grand-auntie, she just like, it made her day, her month, her year, her life. And um, I later learned a couple of things. One was that before my father was born, my grandmother had had a baby girl called Betty. And this baby girl died as a toddler. I think she must have been three or four at the time or something. Maybe Jeez. a bit older than a toddler. Uh, she died of pneumonia. And this girl, because my grandmother was working full time, her sister had taken care of her from birth. So her sister had been this baby's mommy, really. And they showed me a photograph and the photograph of Betty were identical to me. All of the photographs they had of her were identical to my photographs as a little kid. Identical. I mean, there was no difference. You couldn't tell them apart. My theory was that my physical body elemental had been born as Betty and I had other experiences later on that um, validated that belief. And um, and this woman, well, you know, she actually recognized me, you know. Hard not to when you look the same, too. Yeah, exactly. And it was me returning, right? I had come back. <clears throat> so for her, it was like immensely important. And for me also, it was like, oh, wow, you know, it's like amazing. And a few years later, when I was about five, she was terminally ill and she asked for me to come to see her. So my parents drove me over and I jumped on her bed and she said, she's trying to explain to me that she's dying, right? And I looked at her and I said, oh, don't worry about it. I know where you're going and we're going to meet there again. And she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then hug, kisses and everything. We left for the evening and she died that night. Now, my granddad had been very fond of Betty. He had been devastated, broken when she died. But, uh, you know, I looked just like Betty. So he would, even though he didn't like kids, he would always allow me to be near him. And in his office, when he was hanging out with his friends or whatever, he would take me out for walks and go to different places and friends' houses, which was very unusual, right? And then, um, I, you know, he actually, I think he was him who showed me the photograph. Uh, then he was dying. He was dying of cancer. And he asked again, he asked for me. Hmm. And my parents had left me home because they didn't want us, me to go through that, you know, the whole trauma or anything. And um, 
when I was on the way there, they told him my dad drove. I mean, we were quite a few hours away from my grandparents' house. And my dad drove for a whole day to get me to go and fetch me and then bring me back. When they told him that I was coming, that I was on my way, he died. He oh. died about three minutes before I got to the house. And I got in and I went into the room and I looked and I could see him on the bed. And and I said, I looked around and said, where's my granddad? I thought I was coming to see my granddad. I didn't recognize the body as my granddad. Oh. And they said, well, my mom looked at me and uh, she said, well, grandpa is in heaven. He went to heaven. And my grandmother laughed. And she said, <laughs> he's not in heaven. He's in hell. And I was like, uh, and I look at her and she, my mom looked at her and said, don't say that in front of the child. Blah, 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 blah. And they had a massive argument and there was a cat under the bed. And that was my granddad's cat. He was about 30 years old, could hardly move, but was always next to my granddad. And I walked out of the room and the cat followed me and the cat followed me out into the yard. It's like following granddad, right? Who's acting like I was granddad, but following me. It's following me around the house and everybody was, oh my God, this cat is following in everywhere. It's like, what's going on? And then people following me, following because following the cat, you know, it's like, it was very, very strange. And then I went to the bathroom and there was this little table. I was so little that I had to be picked up and put on the toilet. <laughs> right? It was that small. I was six, but it was really, really small and one of those old fashioned toilets, you know, I couldn't get on there. So they, whoever it was, I think it was my mom or my dad, picked me up, put me on the toilet and left. And the cat came over and sat on a special bench that my granddad had there for him when he went to the toilet. Being a man, he would <laughs> sit there for, sit there a, for while. a while. Yeah, so the cat had his own little perch. And they forgot about me because granddad had just died and there's lots of people in the house and a lot of things happening. And I was looking at the cat and the cat's head started going down and down and down. And I thought, oh, he's falling asleep. And then he carried on going down and down past the shelf. And like, oh, Kitty's not there anymore. And I was shouting and shouting. Eventually somebody came up, got me off the toilet. And I said, look, Kitty, it's not wake. I mean, I think he went to really, really, really sleepy. And I think it was my mom says, oh, no, the cat died. <laughs> it was like three hours later after my grandpa passed. Oh, he followed grandpa, you know, to heaven, hell. No heaven, hell. <laughs> and um, yeah, that nasty cat. She, my grandma is like that, that evil cat. He's gone straight to hell with, his, with grandpa. I was like, oh gosh, you know, um, it was very funny at the time. Not so funny for everybody else, but um, it was a little, yeah, it was, it was that body elemental connection, right? Betty, because my grandpa was very, very fond of Betty, loved her tons. And then here she was back, right? Sure. And um, yeah, it was a connection like that, you know? The body collections, the body connections can go from lifetime to lifetime, which was more important. How much do you remember? All that type of thing. Yeah. And things change and are fluid and decisions are taken throughout your life. So you're not even stuck to what decisions you might have come in with. 
or connections you might have come in with, they can change. So I guess impactful is, it depends on the measure of, you know, what matters to you, right? Yeah. 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 For your grandpa and your grand great aunt, mm -hmm. yeah. it was that lost child. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Returned. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think there's probably a lot of directions we can go with this, but I don't know. I don't know where I want to go. It's part of the good. formlessness. Yeah, it's formlessness. part of the feeling of formlessness. Yeah. It's like go in and enjoy these experiences and allow them their meaning, right? Yeah. Allow them their meaning at the time, but um, allow them also to pass. Yeah. Be okay with it, I guess. Be okay with what is almost. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Larry, get back in your body. <laughs> Only if it's necessary. <laughs> well, that was a really enjoyable conversation. Mm -hmm. um, if you enjoy the We Talks, uh, we do have three other episodes of this podcast. It becomes it comes every every two months or so. Uh, you can also listen to Larry and me talk about all sorts of things on Driving to the Res, our weekly podcast, weekly. which has a second half. And it's also joined in the second half by a panel of individuals who are very interesting and interested in very amazing topics. Yep. And you can get the second part at Subscribe Star for that podcast. So, okay. See, see you all later. Bye.